So today we'll uh, get through Deuteronomy chapter 26. Uh, so chapter 26 uh, speaks about worship. Uh, that is the main focus. Uh, it speaks about worshiping with first fruits. And it also speaks about tithes uh, that are given once a year and tithes that are given three times a year. And the chapter ends uh, with the focus on the covenant that the Lord made uh, with his children uh, in terms of what he expects uh, from his children and what he returns uh, as a promise uh, when we obey him. <clears throat> so uh, we started with chapter 12 to 26. Uh, they focus on one theme, which is uh, how to apply the law uh, in different uh, situations. So we went through chapters uh, 1 through 11, where we uh, went through the history of people of Israel uh, coming to the promised land and many of them getting destroyed in the wilderness. And after that, we saw the, the Ten Commandments and also the Ark of the Covenant that was made. And this uh, theme there was uh, we need to love the Lord and we need to trust and obey him at all times. And chapter 12 to 26, uh, which is the section that we are doing today, uh, all of these chapters uh, focus on how we can apply the law to different uh, situations. So we consider different laws, uh, like the ceremonial laws uh, that we saw in chapter 12 with the feasts uh, as an example. And we have considered uh, different civil laws uh, to settle conflicts uh, between uh, people. For example, the land uh, disputes that we talked about in chapter 19. Then we also considered uh, many moral laws, uh, such as murder in chapter 21. And we also had many other sundry laws that were thrown uh, at different points in the chapter, like the laws regarding diet uh, in chapter 14. So chapters uh, 12 to 26 uh, expands on the Ten Commandments and see how it can be applied uh, to different uh, situations. Uh, and the laws are very particular uh, in terms of how it is applied uh, in different situations. And we've been seeing that for the last several weeks. And we also see that chapter 12 and chapter 26 are anchored in worship. So chapter 12 uh, began with worship and chapter 26 uh, ends with worship. So we see that even though the laws uh, may seem like uh, a set of rules that we need to do or not do, uh, but the central focus of the Lord in redeeming us uh, is always uh, to bring us uh, to a point of worship. So when we look at the laws, uh, we may feel that we have failed uh, in many ways. And the only way to overcome our failures uh, is to come to the cross. And once we are forgiven, uh, we are able to worship the Lord uh, in spirit and in truth. So that is the focus. And just to summarize, uh, in chapter 12, we saw that the worship uh, should take place uh, at a chosen place. So the people of Israel, they were asked to go to a chosen place. So that reminds us uh, of the importance of being in a place where the Lord is present. So we cannot simply uh, worship the Lord uh, randomly, uh, even though the Lord is present uh, at every place. Uh, but if the Lord is calling us uh, to a designated place, uh, that is where we need to go to worship him. And in this case, the context uh, is more of communal worship. So they need to come as a community uh, to a chosen place. Uh, to worship the Lord. And we also saw in chapter 12 that when they come to worship, uh, they cannot come uh, empty-handed. Uh, they need to bring their offerings or their sacrifices or their tithes or any vows that they made. 
uh, that need to be satisfied uh, when they come to the place of worship. And we also saw that at the place of worship, there is a lot of eating that is going on. Uh, there is rejoicing that takes place. So we see the worship uh, as a time of celebration uh, that we do uh, with the community. And in this case, uh, it is not just the family, but it also extends uh, to the servants and anyone who's present to include uh, everyone uh, in the time of worship. And we also saw in chapter 12 that uh, they cannot simply make up their own laws and regulations uh, for worship. Uh, there is a divine order uh, when it comes to worship and all of those uh, orders or all of those guidelines uh, are given to the people as we have seen in the book of Deuteronomy. So, so when we come for worship, uh, we need to recognize that there is an order and there is an expectation that the Lord expects uh, from each one of us. And they were also told not to go to a different place and they were also expected uh, to a complete uh, obedience. And the Lord doesn't uh, want us to obey him partially or to obey him late. Uh, he expects a complete obedience and he expects uh, immediate uh, obedience uh, if we want to see the full blessings in our life. And we saw this is the, a theme that repeats itself uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, that we need to live a life uh, that is holy. And in the same way, uh, when we are coming for worship, uh, we should not bring uh, anything that is unholy uh, into the presence of God. Uh, as we saw, we need to destroy uh, all the idols uh, before we come and take part uh, in worship. So chapter 12 is a good summary, which, uh, which can be applied uh, even today. Uh, when we come to church on Sunday, that is a chosen place. And we bring our offerings uh, of our lips, which is our individual worship and also the corporate worship. And it is also a time for us uh, to come together uh, as a family of God, uh, to worship him uh, and to praise. So verses uh, 1 through 11 uh, speaks about celebration that takes place, uh, a worship uh, celebration uh, with the first fruits. Okay, so here we, again, we see that uh, when God gives uh, instructions, they're very detailed and they're very particular in terms of what God expects. So we see that in the first uh, couple of verses, uh, they are supposed to come to a place and they are supposed to bring uh, the first fruit and they have come to a place which the Lord has chosen. And they're also told where to place it. And then it speaks a little bit about the history uh, of their time in Egypt, uh, which is a reflection and it ends with, uh, with the same thing, which is the focus on worship. So, uh, so worship is seen uh, as a celebration and it is a time of worship. It is a time of thanksgiving. So it is not simply a social event or it is not simply a tradition or a day in the calendar, but it's a specific event uh, with a divine order that has been set by the Lord. So the first fruit is brought to the chosen place and given to the priest, and the fruit is set uh, at the designated place uh, before the altar of the Lord. And we also see that uh, worship is seen as a time of celebration, and they are able to celebrate uh, for many reasons. They are able to recognize uh, God's faithfulness uh, to his promise. Uh, so the promise that he made, that he would bring them to a promised land, has come true and also to recognize uh, the presence of God uh, in the promised land. Uh, 
So if God is going to take, take them to the promised land, but if God himself is not present, then obviously that will not, uh, that will not be a blessing. But here we see that God is taking them to a promised land and he is also present. And the worship is also meant uh, to recognize that God is the source uh, of all their blessings. And we'll come to that in 5 to 9. Uh, it, uh, they're asked to look back on all that has happened and how the Lord has dealt with them uh, during their time in Egypt. And in verse 11, we see that the worship includes uh, a personal worship. It also includes the corporate worship. And in verse 10, they're bringing the first fruit, which reminds us that uh, worship must involve uh, some, uh, some sacrifice uh, on our part, uh, even as we saw in chapter 12 uh, just now. And David reminds us in 2 Samuel 24, 24, uh, I will not offer to the Lord uh, that which costs me nothing. So our worship uh, should also be our sacrifice. And even as we often read from Romans uh, 12, 1, uh, that our life uh, should be a living uh, sacrifice, uh, which is a reasonable service. So when we are coming to worship the Lord, uh, we should uh, do it uh, thoughtfully. Uh, it should be done with understanding, recognizing God's faithfulness, recognizing God's presence, recognizing God as the source of all our blessings, and also to be able to look back on how the Lord has dealt with us uh, in the past, and it should also involve an element of sacrifice. So in verses uh, 5 through 11, uh, it is more of a thanksgiving prayer. And the prayer is uh, essentially looking back uh, on their during their time that they spent in Egypt. And they're looking back uh, with gratitude. And oftentimes, when we are going through difficult uh, seasons in life, uh, we are often reminded in the Bible that we should look back at all the great things uh, that the Lord has done uh, in our life. So God is an unchanging God. So we might be going through short seasons or brief seasons uh, when times are challenging, the times are difficult. Uh, but uh, during those times, uh, we need to renew our faith uh, by looking at all the things that the Lord has done for us uh, in the past. And he'll continue to do that uh, in the days to come. And the people of Israel, they were often guilty of complaining and murmuring uh, because they were not uh, willing to look back on all that the Lord has done uh, in the past. So in this passage, uh, when they come together for worship, uh, they're also exhorted to look back uh, with thanksgiving. So there is a thanksgiving prayer that we see in verses 5 through 11. So there are at least three reasons, that three or four reasons that we can see in these verses, 5 through 11, why they need to be thankful. So the first reason is uh, when they came to Egypt, uh, they were able to find shelter and their needs were also met. So we know that when they first uh, came to Egypt, uh, they were trying to get away uh, from the famine uh, in their land. So when they came to Egypt, uh, their needs were provided for, for Jacob, uh, and his family. So that was how they came uh, to Egypt. And in verse 5, when it speaks about the Syrian, uh, that is actually uh, Jacob. And if we turn to Hosea 12 and verse 12, uh, Hosea 12, 12 says, Jacob fled uh, into the country of Syria, and Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. So the Syrian is, no, uh, is a reference to Jacob and the time 
that he came to Egypt. And we also see that uh, when they were in Egypt, uh, the second blessing that we see, uh, they came as a small group of 20 people uh, that we read about in Genesis 46, 27. But during that time in Egypt, uh, they also multiplied uh, significantly uh, because God was multiplying them uh, as a nation, as a chosen generation. So they started with uh, 70 in Genesis 46, 27. And they grew to more than uh, 600,000 men, uh, as we read in Numbers 1, uh, 46, or as it says in Dennis, Deuteronomy 10, 22, uh, they became as the stars of heaven uh, for a multitude. So obviously, these are only the men. Uh, there would also be women and children. So we can easily uh, multiply this by two or three or four to determine how they grew uh, over time. So that was also God's blessing that they did not perish uh, in the land of Egypt, but they actually grew from strength to strength and they multiplied despite all the oppression. And the next uh, blessing that we see that they are asked to look back with gratitude uh, is the redemption from Egypt and the journey to promised land. So the Egyptians, uh, they subjected the Israelites to hard labor, hard labor that they had to go through and the bitter experience uh, that they had to go through. So the Lord did not want them to forget uh, the tough times uh, in their life, even though they are coming for a time of celebration, they are coming for a time of worship, uh, they should look back on those hard times and how when they cried out to God, uh, God heard their prayers and he delivered them. Uh, even though they were in bondage for 400 years, and it may have felt uh, that they would never get out of Egypt uh, because 400 years is a long time. But God, uh, in his, uh, according to his promise and according to his will and according to his timing, uh, when the time was right, uh, we know that God sent Moses uh, as a deliverer uh, to them, and they were uh, miraculously delivered. Okay, so we see that God uh, never forgets uh, the promise uh, that he makes to us. Uh, it may seem like uh, the clock is ticking and time is going by, but when God has made a promise, uh, it will always come true because our God is a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. So when they're coming for worship, they're asked to remember those things of how they cried out to God and how God delivered them uh, according to the promise uh, that he had given them. And at the end, uh, the Lord is bringing the Israelites uh, to a land uh, that is flowing with milk and honey. So through these uh, difficult times, uh, through these difficult uh, experiences, uh, we see that the ending is very good uh, for the Israelites. Uh, they are being brought to a land uh, which is flowing with milk and honey. So that is the first part of verses uh, 5 through 9, uh, which reminds the people of Israel that they need to be thankful for the shelter and the provision that they received in Egypt, and secondly, for the growth that they experienced in Egypt, and thirdly, for the miraculous way in which they were redeemed, and fourthly, for the new home uh, that was given to them, which is a land flowing with milk and honey, which means uh, it was a land which was very green and also very fertile. And because of that, uh, they are able to come to verse 10 uh, with experience and with understanding and with the reason to worship. So when we come to worship, uh, we should always have a reason to worship the Lord. Uh, it should not be simply words uh, that are coming from our lips, 
but we should be able to look back and we should be able to understand what the Lord has done for us and why we are worshiping him. So the first fruit uh, is just an acknowledgement uh, of God's favor. And in the same way on Sunday, when we are worshiping with our lips, uh, it's an acknowledgement of what God has done uh, in our life. And we are bringing the fruit of our lips, uh, as it says. So today, uh, the people of Israel, they had many reasons to rejoice, uh, as we read in verse 11. And, but at the same time, uh, they must also be thankful and not forget uh, all the way in which God has blessed them. So we might be in a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and we might be doing well in life, and we might be very successful and so on, but we should not forget our past. Uh, we should not forget how the Lord has dealt with us, uh, especially in our spiritual life, but also in other areas. So that's the first part, which, uh, which is an exhortation to worship, but also an exhortation to look back and to be thankful. And the second part uh, speaks about tithing, the annual, it speaks about the triennial tithe, which uh, happens once every three years. But we also know that the tithes were given annually to the priest, uh, as we read in Numbers 18.21. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, uh, for their service, uh, which they serve, uh, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So we see that the tenth, uh, one tenth, uh, was given to the Levites uh, because uh, they did not have a part uh, in the land as an inheritance. So they were supported by the other tribes, by the congregation, uh, for the service uh, which they provided, uh, especially in the temple and in the tabernacle. And it is also mentioned in other places like Leviticus 27, uh, 30 to 32, and also Numbers 1826 uh, reminds us that uh, the tithing uh, is something that was not only practiced uh, by the congregation, but the priests, uh, when they got the tithe, uh, they also practiced tithe out of the tithe that they received. So we read in Numbers 1826, uh, thus speak unto the Levites and say unto them, when you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I, which I have given you from them, for your inheritance, then ye shall offer up a heap offering of it uh, for the Lord, uh, even a tenth part of the tithe. So we see that even the uh, priests uh, practice a tithing of the tithes that they received. And in Genesis uh, 14, 18, we see that Abraham gave uh, a tenth or a tithe of everything that he received. And in Genesis uh, 28, uh, 20, uh, Jacob uh, makes a promise, uh, which is a conditional promise, uh, where he says, uh, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, I will surely give the tenth uh, unto these. So Jacob is making a conditional promise that if God would bless him, then he would return a 10% or tenth of it. But this passage uh, speaks about the triennial tithe, which is uh, in the third year, uh, we are told that the tithe should be given to the widows, the fatherless, and the stranger. So we see that the same uh, theme is continuing, where the Lord is uh, mindful of those who are needy. Uh, the Lord is mindful of those in the community who may not have enough, and he wants to make sure that their needs are also met. 
So this uh, tithing is given in response to God's commandment, as we read in verse 13. And there should be no impurity or no unholiness uh, in the tithe that is offered. And we are given some specific uh, uh, statements that it should not be offered to the dead. It should not be unclean use or it should not be eaten in morning times. And in exchange for the tithe, the blessing is requested from God uh, in response to tithe. So we see that the compassion and generosity is to be practiced. So that can be seen as worship uh, by works. So we are not simply worshiping with our lips, but we are also worshiping with our works uh, by being sensitive uh, to the needs of those around us. And we see that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, uh, which reminds us about the love of God. It says, uh, hereby, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoso had this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, uh, how dwelleth the love of God in him. So here the Lord is reminding us that uh, when we say we love God, uh, it should also be reflected in our works. Uh, it should be reflected in the compassion uh, that we show uh, towards others. So verse 18 says, 1 John 3, 18, uh, My little children, let us not love in word, uh, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see the same thing here with the tithing and all the worship a celebration that takes place. Uh, it's, it is not only for those who have things, but it is also for those who are needy and outside the mainstream. And as we read through the scriptures, uh, we are told that we should give God the best and we should give God the first uh, things in our life. Uh, as we read in Matthew 6, 33, uh, seek ye first uh, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things uh, shall be added unto you. So oftentimes we are seeking other things, and because we are seeking other things, uh, we are not able to bring God uh, into our life, or we are losing the priority in our life. But in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is reminding them that if you seek me first, then all your other needs uh, will be met. And in Psalm 63, 1 reminds us that we need to give the first time uh, to the Lord, or we need to give priority to the Lord when it comes to time. And here the psalmist says, O God, thou art my God, uh, early will I seek thee. So that's a reminder for us that the first thing uh, belongs to the Lord, whether it is our money or whether it is our time. And again, in Malachi 3.10, uh, it again reminds us that we need to bring our tithes into the storehouse. And that is how we would experience God's blessing. And Proverbs uh, 3.9 is again a reminder that honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So for some people, uh, if you're a farmer, uh, that would be the harvest and you're bringing the first fruit uh, of your increase. But if you're working in some other job, it could be simply uh, any increase or any blessing that the Lord is adding uh, to you. Uh, you should bring the first fruits of that uh, back to that Lord as, as an acknowledgement of his favor in our life. And the chapter ends uh, with, uh, with a brief 
four verses, uh, which reminds us of God's covenant uh, in terms of what he expects from us and what he promises in return. Okay, so 16 through 19 is uh, somewhat like a renewal of the covenant that the Lord made uh, with his people. And he's reminding them of what is expected and what they can expect uh, as a promise at the end. <laughs> okay, so God's uh, expectation is that his children will obey him with all of their heart and soul, uh, as we read in verse 16. And also their obedience uh, will be complete uh, as we read in verse uh, 18, that they would obey all the commands and not just a few commands, it would be uh, all the commandments. And they would, uh, yeah, and verse 17, it says they would listen uh, to his voice, they will hearken to his voice. And verse 18, that they would be a peculiar people or they would be a separated people uh, they would be a people with a, a unique uh, identity, which is given by God, uh, which makes them stand out uh, from the crowd. And they should be a people who are holy. And even today, the Lord's expectation is the same, uh, that we should obey him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And when God asks us to do something, uh, we should exercise complete obedience. We should listen to his voice. We should be separated and we should live a holy life. And God's promise is that when they do that, God will exalt them as a nation above all the nations, and he would lead them to honor and praise, uh, not just for the Israelites, but when they are lifted up, uh, they would also worship God. So God himself would be exalted with the praise and honor uh, of his people or the worship of his people. So that is a covenant uh, given to the people of Israel, the expectation and the promise. And the same thing is true for us. The Lord expects us uh, to practice obedience and to pursue holiness. And when we do that, he promises us uh, all the spiritual blessings uh, through Christ. And in 1 Peter 2.9, uh, it reminds us that uh, we are also a peculiar people, uh, even though we are Gentiles. But the Jews and the Gentiles have been made one uh, because of the work uh, that was done at the cross. So we can also claim uh, the same blessings uh, that were given to them. So that is why Peter writes that in 2.9, uh, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth his praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So again, we see that the purpose uh, for which uh, we are separated, uh, the purpose for which uh, we are blessed uh, is because we may show forth uh, the praise of him or we may worship him uh, because of the experience that we have had of being brought from darkness uh, to light and being brought from being not a people but now being the people of God. So once we were strangers and we were outside the commonwealth of Israel, but today we are part of that same group. So we should worship God for that reason. So uh, again, this is a short chapter, uh, chapter 26. So as we have seen, uh, the focus uh, is on worship and how we can worship the Lord. Uh, and our worship should always be based on our experience uh, it should be based on our understanding of God, 
So as we went through verses 1 through 11, we saw how uh, the people of Israel were reminded of all that happened to them uh, during their time in Egypt and how the Lord brought them out uh, according to his promise uh, in 400 years. And he brought them uh, to a special place, uh, a place which was flowing uh, with milk and honey, which was the land of Canaan or the promised land. And the Lord is able to do the same thing in our life uh, when we are waiting for different things. Uh, if you are waiting and holding on to a promise, uh, we know that that promise will come true uh, when God's time comes. So we just need to wait patiently for that time. And when it happens, we know that God will bring us to the appointed place, uh, which is a place flowing with milk and honey. And in verse uh, 12 through 15, uh, we saw the triennial tithe, uh, which is the tithe that is given uh, every three years uh, to take care of those who are needy, uh, which again reminds us that our worship uh, will be an empty experience uh, if it is not accompanied by works or if there is nothing to show that we are sensitive uh, to the needs of others, uh, that we are compassionate to others, then our worship may be uh, meaningless or it would be faith without works. And we closed 16, in 16 to 19, where the Lord expects us to obey him and to love him. And when we do that, uh, he will also bless us.